Hey, Barry. Uh, thanks so much for taking time to chat with me today. Uh, really appreciate it. And um, for my listeners, um, I came to Barry and Grez Guitars through uh, Fretboard Journal. I'm a subscriber and I listen to Jason's podcasts and especially uh, The Truth About Vintage Amps. And so that's kind of how I came to know your guitars and your work. And since discovering it, have just been kind of taken with, you know, what you produce and kind of your process. So I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk. Well, it's nice to hear that. I appreciate it very much. And, you know, yeah. I uh, I am also a Fretboard Journal fan, as you might imagine, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful magazine and... And it was actually one of my early introductions to podcasting, right? Jason oh, cool. was doing some podcasting um, really a long time ago. You know, he, uh, he's, you know, he has so many podcasts now, right? Yeah. But one of the first podcasts that I became aware of and started listening to was his. And he was interviewing, I don't know, TJ Thompson and other interesting people in the guitar world. Yeah. Well, that's what I love about it, again, is the discovery aspect. Um, I've... I've discovered so many cool guitarists through his podcast that I never would have uh, probably stumbled across unless I had listened to him talking to them and interviewing them. Yeah. yeah. So we're all podcast fans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, pretty much. Yeah. So, and I know you've covered this, but just maybe give me a brief uh, outline of kind of how you got started building guitars, you know, because I think it's a cool story. I've kind of done a little research on you, but for my listeners, I think it'd be really fascinating for them to hear kind of your journey and how you came to be a guitar builder. Sure. Um, well, I've been building guitars for almost 15 years now, um, but I really didn't start until I was almost 40, something like that, late 30s. Yeah. Um, so I had had, I guess a couple of careers before I came to guitar building. Um, and they all kind of add to the, to the, to the stew, if you will, of all the ingredients <laughs> that eventually made me, I don't know, able to conceive of and design and build guitars. Yeah. Um, so I've, of course I've, you've always been into music and as a kid, hi-fi and stereo and you know, it was always, taking things apart and building things, right? I was the kid who, I don't know, I was probably seven and got a toolbox for Christmas <laughs> so that I would stop using my dad's tools, right? right? right. I'd have my own and, uh, <laughs> you know, would fix my bicycle and the neighborhood kids' bicycles and that kind of thing. So, you know, mechanical things and design has always been something I'm interested in. And eventually I ended up um, working as a product designer in the audio industry. I was designing... Uh, electronics, uh, equalizers, compressors, amplifiers, and wow, um, and that was for a company called Apogee Sound. Um, that and they were primarily a loudspeaker company. So eventually, I started designing loudspeakers. Very so for cool. a long time, I made my living designing speakers, and it, there's a lot of parallels between speaker design and. Uh, guitar design, strangely enough, you know, aesthetics huh. matter, you know, a resonance and materials and acoustics and vibration, although it's kind of the opposite in a loudspeaker, you're trying to minimize vibrations and, and resonances and in the guitar, we're trying to enhance them. Right. But it's the same thing. It's just the other side of the same coin. Interesting. Um, and, uh, I, so I did that for a very long time and eventually that company sold and I started working as an acoustical consultant. 
Cool. Uh, if you design speakers for a living, people will ask you, what speaker should I use and where should I put it? <laughs> and then can you come to my venue and ensure that it's installed right and sounds right? And can you come tune my sound system? And so I ended up traveling the world tuning sound systems for a while. Wow. And you, you I guess at some point realize that you can make a living as a consultant, which kind of means telling people what to do. Yeah. And without having to make the stuff, which is what I was doing before. Um, so it, it seemed like a bit of a relief to just be able to apply my expertise in helping people design sound systems and get them to sound right and, and get the acoustics of their space right. But without all of the um, hard work of dealing with manufacturing. Yeah. So for, for a long time, I was a consultant. And... Um, Eventually, I think I just started missing product design. Like I just enjoyed designing things, yeah. conceiving of and designing things. And, and I thought that uh, uh, as a hobbyist woodworker, so you know, I had a table saw and a few random tools. And yeah. um, so with some basic woodworking skills and knowledge of product design and industrial design and sound, and of course I'm a guitar player, um, I kind of thought, well, I could probably design a guitar like all of those ingredients put together seems like a person who should be able to make a pretty good guitar yeah uh so i made one and it came out all right so <laughs> i made another you know this is, that's how the story goes right right i made right. another and another and another and then you know before you know it it's one a year and then three a year and then 10 a year and 50 a year and it just keeps you know before you know it, it's what you do for a living. Fifteen, so years, the, 15 years later, it's what you do for a living. <laughs> the first I, initial guitars, did you did you sell them or did you keep them or, or um, you know where did you feel comfortable about saying, hey, these guitars? Now I'm building guitars that I think I could feel yeah, comfortable I was, about selling. I was pretty cautious in that regard. Um, so the first guitar I built, my sister-in-law has. You know, it was just a, I gave away as a Christmas present. Very cool. The second and third guitars, I think the second one I might have traded for a piece of equipment that I still use in the shop. Nice. Um, not sure about the third, but I was probably on guitar four or five or six before I really started talking to people about it. Okay. Um, and I, I guess I didn't want to be like, look, I built a guitar, one guitar. Um <laughs> I'm a company now. You should buy from me. It right, just right. seemed a little uh, disingenuous. Right? Yeah. You, if you build one guitar, it's a great personal accomplishment, but it's not a business. Yeah. And it seems like it would be tough to then try to tell people that you you deserve to receive thousands of their dollars to build this thing, and you really have a track record of building one. Right. And I mean, not to discourage people from doing this, but at least for the way I saw it was until I felt like I kind of know what I'm doing and, I, you know, it's repeatable and I, I, I can, I know I can do this really well. I didn't really want to say, oh, I'm a guitar maker now. Come buy from me. I think that's great. Yeah. And, 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 and so in the beginning, it was a hobby, of course, in yeah. a way, right? I mean, I, I didn't start it as a hobby. I knew the plan was for this to happen, for me to be doing this. But the plan was also for it to be a soft start. Like okay. it wasn't like I quit my job and started building guitars and hoped for the best. Right. right. I, I kind of kept my job and built guitars in the background and they just slowly flip flopped. You know, the guitars 
kept getting busier and busier and the consulting got a little quieter because you know the business comes from where you put your effort yeah and i was putting effort into guitars so the guitar business was growing that's cool but you so you mean from guitar one you i mean the the goal was i i eventually i want to transition into being a guitar builder solely yes i, cool. I think the, the the very 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 original thought was that i would need something to do in retirement right i am not <laughs> yeah. willing to sit around and do nothing that's cool so in my late 30s i thought okay so 40 years from now i could potentially be piddling around in the workshop building a that's... guitar here and there so I have yeah. something to do and bringing in some extra cash yeah. so I could retire, whatever retiring means. Um, so yeah, like the minimum goal that I thought would be success would would be having a enough of a name that I could sell maybe 10 guitars a year as a retired guy and bring in extra money. And then if it grew beyond that, you know, it, that's great. But, uh, and it and it did. It That's just kept awesome. growing and growing. And... That's so cool. Well, yeah. Um, so I'm interested to know kind of now, having just said that, like, are you still a one-man operation or do you kind of have a few people helping you out now? Or I, I have help. Um, not a lot of help. It's still a small yeah. shop. I've got a couple folks that help me. Nice. Um, so to keep up as a small shop, I've had to add a CNC machine and a couple oh, okay. of helpers. Got it. And that gets me to... You know, in the neighborhood of a hundred guitars a year, a little less, a little more, something like that. With, with not necessarily great aspirations to go beyond that. I feel like hundred, hundred, maybe hundred and fifty is a nice size. Yeah. Where it's still a small shop because anything beyond about hundred and fifty guitars a year, and I really become an administrator. I just yeah. spend all my time ordering parts and managing yeah. people and talking to customers and. And I used to have that job way back when. I don't want that job again. You know, I actually well, you, want to design and you, build guitars still. Exactly. And you're, pro you're closer to the process and closer to maintaining the quality that you've established and, and, and right. wanting each guitar. Yeah. And I love that. I think that's great. I, could, because exactly, it probably can be tempting to say, hey, you know, we could make 200 guitars a year or whatever. And then before you know it, you know, you're, you're kind of, like you said, you're an administrator and then you're kind of distanced from, you know, the quality of your, of what you're producing and everything else. So I think that's really cool. And it sounds like you are just a, a hands-on person uh, anyway, which I yeah, love. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I like the fact that if someone's having trouble with something in the shop, I can go in there and I can do it. I can show them that's the way. Awesome. To do that's it, awesome. you know, it's not just theoretical knowledge. Yeah, you know, it's like I actually know how to do this very well, and I can train you some more if you need it. Every step. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. Well, talk about another thing that I I just really uh, I loved about what you do is the sustainability aspect of your materials. You know, you use reclaimed redwood and other reclaimed materials. Talk a little bit about that because as guitar players. We know over the years that the Brazilian rosewoods we grew to love and all the other traditional woods of guitar making are becoming more and more rare. And so, yeah, talk about that yeah. aspect of, of your product as well. Right. I think maybe the first thing I would say on that front is that um, you, know, you can make guitars from all kinds of wood, right? The yeah. traditional tone woods, you know, it's a list of six things, right? Rosewood, ebony maple mahogany whatever it's yeah you know that there's just so many other woods that make a nice instrument um so we're not really other than being bound by tradition in terms of making a good guitar 
you could you could you have so many wood choices out there. Um, so yeah. so I, I I probably don't use as many interesting woods as I would like. Um, but as you know, the main wood that I use is reclaimed old growth redwood. Yeah, it's um, beautiful. <clears throat> and uh, and to go along with that, we also plant a redwood tree for every guitar we sell. So I've sort of been yeah. responsible for planting hundreds and hundreds of trees, which is kind of cool. I love it. I love um, it. So this old growth redwood um, is first growth is from first growth forests. So these are trees that were cut down in the middle to late 1800s, maybe early 1900s, and they were virgin forests. Wow. Um, of course, now those trees aren't getting cut down. So if you want access to that wood, you have to get it out of a structure usually. Right. So an old bridge or a tunnel uh, or a factory, um, when that building is reaching the end of its service life, um, like I, I do a lot of wood from bridges, for example. Like I have wood from a bridge right now that was built in 1925. That's so cool. Right, so it's nearly 100 years old, the bridge. So it's coming down and they're replacing it with something new because it's, it's 100 years old, right? Yeah. Um, but so that wood though, it's not only really good quality wood in that it's first growth old wood, mm -hmm. um, but it's been seasoning for almost a hundred years. Yeah. Right. This this is not just freshly cut, thrown in a kiln, and a guitar gets made. Yeah. You know, it's it's been sitting there inside of a factory or under the under the deck of a bridge for for a hundred years, and that does something interesting to the wood. You know, most yeah. woodworkers know how, you know, old wood just feels different. It powders up different when you cut it. It's just a little different. Yeah. Um, how did you go about sourcing that stuff? I mean, well, and also how did you decide on on the, the reclaimed redwood? I mean, it's beautiful. I'm a sucker for cedar and redwood. Yeah. But yeah, I'd love to know how you came to that decision. You know? It was not the original plan. It was something that just presented itself pretty early on and, and kind of made sense. You know, it's sort uh -huh. of, sometimes I feel like attempting to be successful is really all about just keeping your eyes and ears open for opportunities uh -huh. and paths. And when they appear, being flexible enough to chase them or realize a good idea has just popped past in front of you and jumping on it, uh -huh. right? So, so being attentive. And I, I was starting to see... Um, Redwood, because I, well, first of all, I live in Northern California, which of course is where all of this redwood grows. Yeah. So here, everything is made from redwood, or at least it was way back when. And I came across a few redwood boards for sale on Craigslist of all places. Uh, and I was kind of aware of redwood. You know, some acoustic uh -huh. guitar companies would use redwood for their tops. And so I was kind of aware that this was a potentially interesting material. Yeah. Um, so I kind of got in the habit of, you know, you surf, surfing uh, Craigslist every morning Very with cool. my coffee and looking for old wood that I could build guitars out of just because it seemed more interesting to me than picking up the phone and calling a vendor and saying, send me stuff, <laughs> right? It was That's awesome. yeah. more fun to find a piece of wood, right? It's just an adventure to it. Um, so I ended up finding some, some pieces and I brought them home and, you know, learned to resaw and turn them into tops and... And then I quickly realized that not only was the wood pretty cool, but the but there's a story generally behind it. Like I know where the wood came from. I love that. So often, not not every time, but oftentimes, I can tell somebody exactly where their 
guitar wood was. You know, it was a bridge. This this exact bridge. Here's photos yeah. on the internet of this bridge before it was dismantled, or this this old train tunnel, or something like that. I love it. So the story behind it is just fun. Um, and then there's also you know an economic side, which probably I haven't talked about before. But yeah. you know, if you buy a piece of wood that has been found and graded and deemed good enough to build a guitar and then sliced up so it's ready to go to be a guitar top. Right. That's an expensive piece of wood. Yep. I'm finding what to most people looks like scrap junky lumber. And then I do all of those steps. I, you know, I'm grading it and sawing it and preparing it. So it helps with profitability a little bit. Right. Because I'm not paying full retail for a thing that's already been in air quotes deemed guitar wood. Right. I'm buying something that's just old lumber. I love it. I love Uh, that. But of course, if if the other side of it is, you know, if if you're a beginner or you just want to make one guitar from Redwood to try it, you want to be able to just buy one top. And the fact that it's costing a little more is fine. Sure. Right. Where I'm buying, you know, giant beams that have to come in on a flatbed trailer, you know, so that I have wood to last me years. So I'm spending thousands of dollars on giant beams, not a hundred bucks on a top. Yeah. How do the bri- how does how do the bridges and things like that get on your radar? That's not on Craigslist. Like, how, like no. <laughs> decommissioning a bridge that fascinates me. Like, but I think that's so cool. There are. Uh, it's it's getting in some ways. It's getting easier. Um, it's never easy to find the wood from the standpoint of you have a big pile of redwood because somebody took something down, an old chicken coop, a yeah. barn, a tunnel, whatever. But very little of it is really good enough to make instruments out of. You know, it, yeah. it can't be too rotten. The grain orientation's got to be right, not full of knots. Yeah. Uh, it's got to be big enough, you know, dimensionally to do what I need. So yeah. sometimes you have this giant pile of redwood and there's not a single board that I could use. Got it. Um, so there's a lot of like looking and uh, nothing looking and then, but sometimes you do find something. Um, but it's now the whole idea of of reclaimed and salvaged and not throwing away has almost become... Uh, normal now across the country. Yeah. yeah. You know, when I was starting, it was a little less common. But because it's so normal now, there are all of these companies that have sprung up that are specializing in salvaging materials. Yeah. So, like, I can't take a bridge down. Right. But I figured out who the guy is who does take bridges down. Ah, that's cool. And, you know, hopefully when he's got a truckload of wood from the bridge, hopefully I'm the first call. Nice. Right? Because yeah, I'm going to come in and I'm going to drop a thousand dollars or a couple thousand dollars. And I'm going to pick the best board off of that truck. And, you know, everybody else can buy the rest, which is still amazing, but maybe not quite musical instrument grade. That's so cool. So it's kind of, you know, relationships that build over time. Got it. Well, the story aspect of it too, I love too, because as you know, we're both guitar players and I, I love going, seeing a, like a 50 some odd telly or something. And you can tell it's got cigarette burns in the headstock and it's, you know, the fretboard yep. is worn and, you know, there's a, there's stories within that guitar. And, and likewise, I love the fact that you're sourcing materials from all of these different places. And most of the time you can tell the, the guitar owner, hey, the, you know, here's the story behind you know, where I got the materials for this piece of, of or this guitar, you know, that's so cool. I love it is. that. And, and sometimes they'll even have odd little defects, you know, where there's like a, like a black stain on the bottom that I'll p- position on the bottom of the instrument where you don't really yeah. see it, but it's there. And uh-huh. you know, where there's like rust stains from where there was an old bolt or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. You wouldn't want, maybe want that through the middle of the face of the guitar, but it's cool <laughs> that, you know, that it's there. You flip it over and like, Oh, what's this? Yeah. 
Yeah, it just gives it extra personality and, yep. and extra. Yeah, I love that. Um, so you have some consistent models that you build, and then you also build custom. What what kind of percentage uh, of of product do you focus on now? Like if somebody comes in and says, "Hey, I want you to build me a guitar," or yeah, it, how does it, well, that work? it started out all custom. So, yeah. um, it started out. I was really just building uh, acoustic guitars, you know, steel string flat top acoustic guitars, wow. arch tops, some oh, semi cool. hollow body guitars, and then as a as a from a design standpoint, as the models I was conceiving of re- became more and more refined, I ended up with this thing that I'm now calling or have for a long time, I guess, called the Mendocino. Yeah. Like and that. it sort of took off. And it, it didn't necessarily take off just magically. I put a lot of effort into getting it to take off. You know, I, I, I realized that this was a model that maybe had some mass market appeal, the size, the looks, the reclaimed top. Um, its manufacturability was good. You know, it wasn't horribly labor intensive. You know, sometimes you can design something that's cool, but you're you know, just right. killing yourself <laughs> to make it. Yeah. Um, so this thing, it kind of made sense as a model that might be more of a production oriented thing. So I decided to invest in it, and I got took out some magazine ads, and I w- got a you know went to Nam, got a booth, and 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 you you know and it, and it worked. People became aware of it and started buying it, and and, and now it just has a life of its own. I just keep adding more models. You know, it started out, there was the Mendocino, which is this cute little small semi-hollow instrument. Uh-huh. But then there was the baritone version. And now there's the short scale bass version. And, you know, just it just it's expanding all around this one model, which is really I cool. Yeah. Um, so most of what I build these days are Mendocinos and their variants. Okay. And most of those are slightly custom. Um, so you can say, you know, I want to, black top and I want tortoise binding and and maybe can we use whatever pickup your favorite pickup is you know so there's a certain amount of flexibility okay um so they're customized versions of Mendocinos a lot of the time Got uh, it. but it's light customization right or yeah, figure yeah, yeah. top uh, but I still do the super custom stuff it's just probably only I don't know six instruments a year yeah um and because I find that they're becoming hard to to make as the more production stuff um, is keeping us busy. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, that's a very, I mean, I haven't laid my hands on one. I want to terribly, but uh, I've seen the videos and they're super resonant, super, uh, just great guitars. Yeah, I, I, it, the popularity is well-deserved. They're they're very cool guitars, yeah. Well, so where do you see, where do you see the business going in the future. I mean, I think it's so cool that you kind of want to maintain control of growth, which I really appreciate because I've seen too many companies, any company, you know, grow too fast and, and start to lose sight of, you know, the quality and, and what, what got them on the map in the first place. So I appreciate your approach to your products and, and your attention to detail and quality. Where do you see um, the business going in well, the next I mean, I, I, I have a few new models that are still cooking. So there'll be some new cool. products coming out. Um, yeah. And I mean, this sounds very uh, uninspired, but in a way it's like more of the same, <laughs> right? Like re- re- I love it, new man. model, just I keep love going. It. And, yeah. um, you know, I don't know that there's anything 
super revolutionary about to happen. Cool. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think like this year has been an interesting year for the industry in general. Uh -huh. um, you know, in terms of uh, maybe like an overcorrection, right? We, I think we all know that like during the pandemic, there was a frenzy of buying. Yeah. So that pendulum has swung back the other way. Yeah. And there's a little overcorrection, right? We know that some big factories have had to lay off a lot of workers and companies right. are just, it's just a little quieter. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it's, you know, the pendulum is stabilizing now and and things are coming back. They're maybe not as crazy as it was per, you know, during the pandemic, but. Yeah. So I'm just sort of looking forward to, at least for the next year, looking forward to getting one, there's one, one new model out, which I guess, uh, I've mentioned it a little bit here and there, so it's not like a giant uh -huh. secret, but uh -huh. I'm going to be uh, releasing a uh, base six version of the Mendocino. Oh, dude, that sounds yeah. so cool. I mean, oh, I already I made it. a baritone and a short scale bass version, right? Oh, so I this is that. just like the perfect you know, uh, combination of all of that. So Yeah, that's killer. I think yeah. I think there's a market for that, yeah. Because those yeah. the Fenders and the Gibsons even are, are kind of still coming back in terms of those those types of guitars, and especially for guitar players, right? I mean, because yeah. it's it's a lot easier for us to play, and yeah. So I think yeah. you know, like between now and the end of the year, designing that, getting that thing done and built, and so that next year, you know, that'll be the thing that that we're talking about and making demo videos about, right? And I love it. And hopefully it. next year is, you know, a little more, a little less crazy than this year in terms of weird uh -huh. sales up and down and unpredictable. And yeah. So I guess it's hard to look more than six, six months or a year into the future <laughs> at this point. Yeah. But that, that's, that's what I'm hoping for is a, is a little more stability in the industry and, yeah. and just the fun of releasing a new, a new instrument. I love it. I love it. Well, you so you're a player, a lifelong player, which I totally dig too. Um, I'm always fascinated to know, like, what got you into guitar when you were a kid, and and what was your first guitar? Yeah. Um, well, first, I guess I should say I'm a terrible guitar player. That's how I got here <laughs> by by being self aware enough as a teenager to know that I would never make any money playing the guitar, <laughs> right? And there had to be some other way for yeah, me to. Yeah. To be involved in all this, so oh, that's awesome. Um, I was thinking about that the other day. I don't know if somebody asked me about it or why I was thinking about uh -huh. it, but um, and it's weird because I don't know what made me want to play the guitar. It yeah. just, you know, like I hear a lot of people talking. Oh, I heard this record, and I'm a, and they knew right. I wanted to do that, or they, you know, they saw, um whatever it was some some uh -huh. pivotal moment right and for me yeah. it was just i just always thought the guitar was cool yeah right and it wasn't you know you hear a lot of people say oh i learned to play guitar because i wanted to get girls or something <laughs> like that, right and i was i was a kid i didn't that was not the, right. know, the furthest thing from my mind right it was right. just something about the guitar so i um i don't even know how old i was maybe I'm going to guess eight. I have no yeah. idea. Right. Uh -huh. And so my parents, I think must have rented an acoustic guitar and sent me to some community like group lesson thing at the community center. And I love it. And so I kind of, you know, learned the, some cowboy chords and, uh -huh. and then I, some, something happened and it sort of faded away for a couple of years. And then when I was probably 15 or 16, I got an electric guitar 
And then, you know, things, it really stuck that time. Yeah. The second time around. Yeah. And that guitar, I still have actually, and it's a terrible guitar, but it's, it's kind of pretty. It's a uh, Seville Les Paul copy. Oh, I love right? that. So one of those super cheap yep. Les Paul copies with a bolt-on neck. Yep. The body, I think, is plywood, but it has yep. a very pretty red top on it, you know, so. Yeah, but I love that you still have it. I mean, I had a, I had a Honer uh, Gibson custom copy when I was a kid, too, bolt-on neck. Yep, I wish and I, I think I paid it. 60 yeah, bucks for it, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I love <laughs> it, that. yeah. Well, I love your journey too, because that, that's similar to mine. I I, I was a young kid, and I, I think I, I saw my first guitar at like Sears and Roebuck, and, and it wasn't even in the music department. It was just like you know how they stage different departments in a right. store, and I'm like, oh, that looks pretty cool, you know. And I th- my journey was kind of similar. I, I there wasn't a, a watershed moment where I saw the Beatles or anything else, but it's right. just like oh, guitars are kind of cool. I, and so I kind of gravitated towards them organically, and just yeah. Yeah, it's like a weird magnetic pull. Nothing yeah. specific, just Ex- something exactly. about guitars. I just, I just, yeah, I'm into it. I don't know. Exactly. Well, do you get up to uh, Seattle much at all or uh, here and there? It's, well, it's been a while. My wife and I actually vacationed up there um, a couple of years ago just as a getaway, right? Because from, nice. from the Bay Area, Northern right. California, up to Seattle is not too bad yeah. of a flight. And we, yeah. we bummed around a little bit. Um, but I haven't been up there. Oh, actually, you know what? I was just up in uh, Tacoma now that I think about it. Oh, cool. The Guild of American Luthiers oh. had their annual convention at the Pacific Lutheran College, PLU. I think. Yeah. Right? Very cool. PLU. And I was asked to give uh, one of the main presentations uh, on... in. I guess it was called intentional electric guitar design or, or something oh, that's like awesome. that. I forget. The the whole the point of the the lecture was designing with intent. Yeah. Right. The idea that you know you should be able to point to anything on one of my instruments, and there should be a reason for it, a story behind it. Right. Yeah. It's not just well that's because because Fender did it. So I'm. Doing I love it, that. Right. There's, yeah. Every 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 little thing, every screw, every wiggle of the body shape, every piece of wood. Hopefully there's thought behind and a reason, right? So thoughtful design. That's awesome. That's so cool. I love that. Yeah, and I, I, I totally appreciate that that uh, that mindset and that ideology. I think it's really cool. But uh, yeah, we do like going up to Seattle, though. Just doesn't happen super often. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, if you're ever up here, uh, I'll buy yeah. you a beer. Yeah. I would take you up on that. I love it. <laughs> well, Barry, it's so it was so great to meet you and I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me and um yeah, I'll be looking for that uh the the new version of the bass version of the of the Mendocino. I can't wait to see that, man. I, I think it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. The, all of these what almost seem like oddball versions. Yeah. Uh in the industry in general, people are embracing them, not just with me, right? But, yeah. you know, baritones and short scale basses and bass six and all these yep. things that f- had fallen out of favor for a little while uh, seem to seem to be coming back into favor and for good reason. They're just all, they're a lot of fun to play. Yeah. And like you said, I think it is cool that people are discovering these different instruments that didn't really get much notice years ago. You know, and th- for for whatever reason, right? Like, right. You know, affordability or whatever it is. But like you're saying, even the student instruments now, you know, juniors and specials and and even the Fenders, like the Mustangs and all of that. The Music Masters are now people are playing them and and digging them. And yeah, that's cool. I love it. Yeah, more cool variety than ever, right? Yeah, 
Yeah. Whether it's some small builders or even big manufacturers, the variety yeah. is awesome. I love it. Well, thanks again so much, man. And, and I look forward to talking to you in the future. Wonderful. I appreciate you having me. Yeah. Thanks, man. All right. See ya.